This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Reckless speculation from the TCL Broadcast Studios. You're listening to Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Football. John Embry, another, another great young man from Destrehan, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. <laughs> uh, great young man. On a scrimmage, <laughs> we wanted to get bigger. I'm stopping. Hey, stop the ball, stop the drill. I'm having a press conference. Thank you. We had to fix the line of scrimmage. Went all the way to Michigan. <laughs> Football. <laughs> never misses a beat. Coach O. Um, Matthew Collins. That reminds me a lot of the scene in Joe Dirt. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Home is where you make it. Yes. Dude, <laughs> Joe Dirt's a Joe Dirt's an underrated movie. <laughs> I'm going to say that out loud it on is. the radio right oh, now. David Spade, right? David Spade, yeah. I, I, I will yeah. agree with that. Joe Dirt is, and, and Waterboy might as well be you know in the same franchise. Kind of buy you fighting alligators. And there, there's a, just a bunch football. of Joe Dirt is one where if if you watch it once, you might be like, "What, what did is I this? just watch?" Napoleon but Dynamite has that effect too. Third, fourth watching of Joe Dirt. If somehow you get there, yeah, I've never like, managed to get through the well, whole thing. I didn't have cable in college, Judd, so we got to the oh. fifth or sixth Joe Dirt watching, and there's there's a ton of like little funny lines at some point. Someone calls him Joe Dirte or whatever. You know, it's just like you know, little little. Funny stuff, but the anyway. fourth viewing of Joe Dirt is a little <laughs> aggressive. I can't say I've gone that far down the line, but you, you know, s- you started this by talking about it was, it was funny. The the movie I have watched more than any other by far is Zoolander. You ever see that? Really? Yeah, easily. I've that's one I've never been able to make it through either. I've seen know. I've seen parts of that one again. It's always on TBS. Thing, TBS yes. loves uh, Zoolander and Ben Ben Stiller movies. <laughs> I would say probably twenty times. Okay, because wow. my roommate and I loved it. In college, and again, no cable, so it was Madden or movies, and that one has so many great, hilarious, like Will Ferrell and Ben Stiller scenes. Sort of before Will Ferrell did the Anchorman thing, so he was just a side character from SNL, 
And he he has a a brilliantly hilarious character. Do you know who hates, despises Will Ferrell? Thinks he's awful. I do not. Who? Jonathan Harrison. Oh, yeah. oh, oh well, not a fan. And, and Jonathan, you know well, the door is right there. <laughs> can't stand it. That's fine. But, Yelled but, at me about it. But I'm not even going to fight you on anything post Anchorman, which has been like a decade, and there hasn't been a whole lot of funny yeah, since then. But that's like saying, you know, who is a is a is a bad football coach is uh, is that Bill Parcells. And uh, and I'm not, you know, I'm not but I'm, I, w- no. I wouldn't I wouldn't fight you after like the Super Bowls Jimmy with the Johnson. Giants or something. Jimmy, or Jimmy Johnson, Johnson was, Cowboys to yeah. the Dolphins. I think that Will Ferrell is Mike McCarthy. Like at one time, those route <laughs> combinations worked just fine. At one time, that act was pretty who was darn his, fresh. Who was his Aaron Rodgers then? Well, I don't know. I mean, he had a lot, but the the point just being that your act worked for a while. And then it didn't because it got old, and you kept doing the same shtick. I think if you're for a really long time, I think if you're Will Ferrell, though, at some point in time too, you get so damn rich that you're like, "I'll okay, I'll do this or I'll do that." But there's got to be a, there's got to be a period of your life where you're motivated to do as well as you possibly can, yeah. and you're just a huge star. And then you're like, "I'm such a big star now." I can do well, this. Like, like you become a caricature of yourself. Adam Sandler's the same way. Where Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. like him or not, like he pumped out Agreed. Happy Gilmore, yeah. Billy Madison. Yeah. He pumped out all it's these really Waterboys. Yep, a wedding singer. And then all of a sudden, all right, I, if you're going to pay me twenty million to do fifty first dates with <laughs> yeah. Drew Barrymore yeah. again, okay, then I guess I'll do it. Right. I, I went on a date once, two fifty first dates. It did not work out. Wow. Wow, was that bad? Yeah. Uh, but but you know, there's a point there that some of the greatest comedic actors ever. Eventually shifted to doing more serious roles, and some succeeded. Jim like, Carrey, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, yeah, off the charts. But good. Uh, Robin Williams too. I yep. mean, he had some flops, but some also really, really good roles that showed the full versatility of his talents. With someone like Will Ferrell, where I would ding him is, I just don't think that's in there. I I don't think it's really possible for him to do anything that's beyond his one act. And you mean you don't see Will Ferrell in uh, in like one hour photo or what was that creepy yes. movie? Oh, one hour yeah. photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robin, Robin Williams, Williams is great yeah. in that movie. So creepy though. What was the one that Sandler did with? Um, and it's uh, was it Punch Drunk Love, Love or something yes. like that? Yeah, he's tried a few. Yes, yeah. Punch was, Drunk Love was pretty good though. Cause, there was, but that was because of. Uh, what's his name? There was one that I saw all alone in a theater, just like me and the friend that I went with, and it was it, where he played a guy who had lost his family in 9-11. Yep. And it was not good. I mean, it was a lot of Adam Sandler trying really hard to look sad and weird throughout the movie, and it hasn't worked for him to to, to change that over. It takes a special type of comedian, just like it takes a special type of football coach to continue to adapt your well, schemes. Wait, before we go football, football. <laughs> I don't I don't think that you can be, in in Williams' case and Carrie's case, they're both very odd guys, mm-hmm. and they are fun. They were or are funny, but they're also really dark Yeah, those people. Two, yeah, yeah. I don't think dark. Sandler's that dark a guy, and Will Ferrell definitely is not. Like, right. I don't think that there's a creepy side. Like, if you told Will... Will Ferrell, we're going to put you in this really weird um, movie about the fact that you are this guy who, and you're really disillusioned with things. I think he'd be like, okay, I'll try. Jim Carrey's great at that. Jim, the, the, but he's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless oh, Mind. Okay. So underrated. That movie was really, really good. I also think, didn't Robin Williams go to like Juilliard or something? Yep. I mean, he was like a really highly trained actor. He just happened to be really funny, and that's that's where he made his bones. Well, Jim Jim Carrey, if 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 anyone, you guys in the room or the audience, 
So just off this conversation, Jim Carrey, there's a documentary on Netflix that follows him around when he was playing. Seen what's it. the what's the dude? Andy, Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is. And it, he's not. It's not. It's not a bit. He turns into Andy Kaufman yep. for several months. It's super. And it's really uncomfortable to watch. And it documents the people around him and stuff. I mean, he's. Yeah, he's a he's an interesting. Don't dude. forget, Sean Penn was Spicoli. He turned into Spicoli. He told, he told those people. He said, "I am not Sean Penn. You will treat me like Spicoli on set, offset. I am Jeff Spicoli until we're done filming." That's like that's pretty much like Judd on the Mackie and Judd show. You will treat me like Judd. I will be treated like there. Judd. I will never oh. ever call me by my real name, which I'm not quite sure what that is. So. Kevin Stefanski's got to be feeling himself right now after 41 <laughs> points, right? Walking around with sunglasses on. I'm still uncomfortable on. when you said that twice now. <laughs> feeling himself? No, not like literally feeling <laughs> no. himself, you creep. He's hey, feeling himself. I'm Judd, not creep. It's it's F-E-E-L-I-N apostrophe, not with a G on the end. I, I told you I'm feeling himself. All right, this is weird. Uh, so your point is that Kevin Stefanski must be feeling great about himself <laughs> yes. because of his recent performance at his occupation. Which and, is football, and, yes. And that mm-hmm. is football and play calling and such. Mm. Uh, yes, Kevin Stefanski is not exactly the type of guy to yell Kobe after <laughs> hitting <laughs> hitting uh, last week's play calls on the money. Uh, it, today he was, of, of course, like, you know, we're adjusting the game plan and we're focusing on Detroit and all that sort of stuff. And that's where they need to be. And it will be very interesting to see if they carry it all over and they run Detroit out of the building or if things are a little more challenging. And looking at the recent performances of the Detroit defense, I think things will be a little more challenging. And even though you might look at Detroit and say, eh, that's a team that might want the coach fire, not sure they really care. I, I think that's fair to look at it that way, but it's also a division opponent and one last shot for guys to put something on tape that might be good for a lot of guys to keep their jobs. Teams like this tend to start tearing things down. And so when you look at how they've played, people want contracts, whatever else it might be. You want to play spoiler at the end of the year with a team that you probably hate. I mean, we never think of Detroit as in this conversation about rivalries, but they probably hate other teams, right? So, you know, it... it (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's really let's sad. consider that they question. Are, Who would like, they hate? I mean, Lions fans hate all the other teams except for the Browns because they're just <laughs> right, jealous. They're but, but I mean, if you're on that team, that's probably what you're using to motivate yourself. Like, let's spoil these guys' seasons. They sacked us a bunch of time and embarrassed us when we were at U.S. Bank Stadium. Let's do the same to them. And I think it will be more of a challenge. I would not expect that 41 points come up. I think this is one of those 17 to 10 ugly type games that Mike Zimmer doesn't mind winning. Yeah. Why am I, I not concerned, though? Like, I've watched this. I should be aware of every possible pitfall, right? And I'm just not concerned about it. That's So we, we led the 4 o'clock hour with, okay, it's the Vikings. We know what their history is. We know that the, they are the football, and we are all, you know, we're Charlie Brown just coming up yep. empty. So the fact that we all think this is an automatic win, it's that Bears game in Week 17, like that should give us pause. That this this it's the NFL. When everyone thinks one thing, you run the other direction, and I can't get that out of my head when I think about this game. But I can't wrap my head around them not winning this game too. And historically, for the Vikings, it would be so Vikings if Matt Stafford got hurt in the first quarter, and here comes Matt Castle, oh my who throws God. for three touchdowns right. to 
somehow eliminate the Vikings from the playoffs because Washington behind Josh Johnson wins and uh, Philadelphia wins behind their backup quarterback. But when you really think about it, Matthew Stafford is playing hurt. He's suffered a back injury against the Rams, and he's been battling it since. They didn't score any points against Buffalo, who has a good defense, but it's not as good as the Vikings. They sacked him 10 times last time he came in here. Zimmer ran through the players that Stafford doesn't have. Uh, they just put his running back, on Johnson, on IR. Uh, Golden Tate is traded to the Eagles. I mean, they, they've lost everybody. Uh, Marvin Jones, who to me is one of the best receivers in the league that people don't give credit to. So you've got Kenny Galladay, who started the year as their number 3 receiver, being the only guy you're afraid of. Yikes. I mean, they, they don't have anything on offense. And, and that's where I would say, even if their defense performs better, they have so little for Stafford to work yeah. with, he would have to go completely bananas. And he's not even healthy. So it's, it's just very hard to see. I mean, I'd be surprised if they scored any more than 14 points against this Vikings defense. Here comes Dan Bailey. 48-yard well, field could, goal for the win. Here's the kick. The Vikings down by one. It's wide right. <laughs> there, there can always be <laughs> Now I'm very thing. concerned. Forget I mean, about it. With last week, that shows you. I now, know. if they had made the same mistake last week, mistakes last week of giving up a huge touchdown run and a pick six to Detroit, I'm not saying Detroit's defense is great, but you shouldn't expect your offense to just score 40 points and run people out of the building. It would have been a lot more hairy than it was against the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins, I think, were a very bad team that got lucky a few times and, and beat some other teams that were either down or unlucky themselves. And uh, but they do have good enough a good enough defense to slow down the Vikings to some extent, I think. And if and if they do that, and you get a pick six, or you get a strip sack fumble, or a kick return allowed for touchdown, or whatever it might be. That always opens the door, and this team does seem to have that tendency. Let's come back here and talk about uh, an introspective Mike Zimmer from today at Vikings practice, and a, a guy who is very much, I don't think, bogged down by what people think about him, but aware of what people might think about him. Matthew Collar's hanging out with us from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Judd Zilgett, it's the fo- People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Whoa. on 1500 ESPN. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. All right, a couple crashes to tell you about. All on the uh, sort of the northern part of the metro. Uh, 94 westbound. You got a crash in Maple Grove between Weaver Lake Road and uh, 95th Avenue North. That's causing a five-minute delay. Uh, Highway 100 northbound near Golden Valley. We've got an eight-minute delay. That's because of a crash uh, between Highway 55 and Duluth Street. And a 694 eastbound near New Brighton. We've got a crash uh, between Silver Lake Road and Long Lake Road. That's causing an eight-minute delay there. Football. Thank you, Manny. Matthew Collars here. It's the football hour from the TCL Broadcast Studios. And uh, you can you can find uh, this piece up on 1500ESPN.com. Just posted a half hour ago by Matthew. But I just I just want to bring up a couple of these Mike Zimmer quotes uh, from from him talking to the media today, and then just give you the floor to get your thoughts on this. Uh, so he was asked about having two changes at offensive coordinator mid season the last three years, uh, and, and Zimmer said, "quote The last guy Norv he quit, so that was a different deal, which is the second time he's made it clear this week that Norv quit." Uh, we did it kind of the same way, promoting a guy within. It's hard to change a lot of things, but each person has his own ideas and wrinkles. There's a reputation I'm hard to deal with, he said. That's not the case. I don't want people to think I'm trying to run guys out of here. So the first quote was with the Detroit media. 
that they get their 10 minutes or whatever with Zimmer and and we get it with the you know opposing coaches too and then I followed up on that because it was the fourth overall time that I counted where he mentioned that North Turner quit and so I asked Zimmer does that frustrate you that people think you fired him and he said, well, of course, because I didn't fire him, he resigned, and also because he doesn't want that reputation of being hard to work with. Um, and I asked him if he wanted to clarify what happened with Norv, and the answer was no. And then I asked maybe at the Combine, and the answer was also no. Uh, but I guess my thought on this is when Norv did resign, fired or not, I think we all agreed that whatever was happening behind the scenes with him and Zimmer and Pat Shermer was not going to work for the whole rest of that season and that Shermer uh, had the right idea of getting the ball out quick with a bad offensive line. And I think when you look at what was going on with John Filippo compared to the way that Kevin Stefanski wanted to operate, that Stefanski probably should have had this job all along. And the decision was made when things were dire and the season need, needed to be saved. So... Hard to work with or not, both decisions were the right way to go. And the decision, if it was won by Zimmer or not, moving to Shermer was the best thing they could have done. And they went 13 and 3 with a backup quarterback starting. So I, I think that in both cases, the better thing for the Vikings happened. And if people and people are going to say what they're going to say, there's really nothing you could do about it. There's always people who are going to think that he fired Norv. There's always people that are going to think he's hard to work with because he is crotchety, especially in front of the media. And there might be truth to it. I don't know. But there are also coaches who have been with him for a very long time. If he was running through coaches all the time, I might say, oh, I don't know about this. But Andre Patterson is the best in the business and defensive line. And he's Zimmer's guy. Jerry Gray, five years with Jerry Gray. He Defensive backs. Does anybody do be- yeah. better defensive backs than this team? Stefanski. Has been. And, and right. And, and that's the thing is that Zimmer kept Stefanski on. And I, I'm sure that Stefanski was unhappy with the decision to bring in John Filippo. I mean, I, I mean, imagine that. Like, you're right there, and you were the quarterback's coach for Keenum. You did all the same things that Filippo did in Philly. You just didn't beat Zimmer's defense in the NFC Championship or have anything to do with it. So instead, this other guy gets the job who isn't all that good yeah. at it. If they would have... Okay, here's a hypothetical. If they would have beat the Eagles and gone to the Super Bowl... Stefanski, OC, no question. That's my... Yeah. Yep. No so if, if they Because Filippo's legend grew because the Eagles' legend grew. Yep. And if the Eagles just get squashed out, and even if the Vikings lose to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, Shermer still gets the head coaching job in New York, and Stefanski gets the job here. And it happens all the time. You see it in hockey where there's an assistant coach for whatever team or an assistant GM for whatever team, and then a job comes up, and it's, well, that guy was on the Blackhawks, and he mostly just carried their gloves and dried them off in between periods, but and he must have been real good at it, so let's give him a promotion with our... You know, situation. And, and I understand the thinking there with Filippo that, you know, he would have the secret sauce to what beat Zimmer's defense and that he was an up and coming guy. He interviewed for two head coaching positions. So a lot of teams were looking at him this way. And when you talk to John Filippo, he's very impressive. He knows the game inside and out. He's an incredibly hard worker. He and Zimmer both probably compete for who shows up earliest and who leaves the latest and all those sorts of things. So when I look at it, I understand the process they use to hire him because he is so impressive. But I think from the beginning, there was that, you know, maybe you should just continue to go with what was working here with a guy who was going to carry over a lot of Pat Shermer. Do we think Stavansky is a lock to stay here? Because the contract's up. 
Mm-hmm. They didn't allow him out when he probably would have appreciated that. And it, it might turn out to be the absolute correct move. But do we think that he's a lock to, because at some point in time, I would I would take it if he, he decides that, or if they decide that he's their guy, this can't like play out over weeks. This is going to have to be a pretty quick decision of, we like you, we screwed up, here's a multi-year contract to be our coordinator. I could see this going in all sorts of different ways. If they lose this game against Detroit, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, I mean, that's out the window, right? Like, if you go to Detroit and all of a sudden nothing that you're doing works anymore uh, that, that you did and you didn't adjust from the last mm-hmm. game and you choke on the road or whatever, you can't get the play calls into the quarterback. Who knows, right? But there's always something with Vikings fans and the Vikings team of feeling like it's going to collapse. So what if it does? Then you're talking about probably different scenarios. Now, if they go to Chicago in the playoffs and they win a game and they shut down Khalil Mack, then even if they go to New Orleans and lose, Stefanski is the guy. So it's really unfortunate because you're talking about this just tiny sample of games to grade the guy, but I think that's what's going to ultimately determine it because if if they first round out and get shut down the playoffs, but my point might is, be looking for different OCs. My point is if things go, if they go well, there, there might be options for Kevin here. Oh, that's where, true, where, yeah. Where that's Kevin's like, well, you didn't give me the job, and now I'm being talked to by Team X, Y, and Z as well. Yeah, that could be in play. I, I, I think, too, in terms of judging him, too, you know, it's not as much about wins and losses. and like It is about productivity, but what the, the, the biggest mistake the Vikings made was, instead of looking internally, I don't know how they would have known this. I guess I, this is easy to criticize them retrospectively because Kirk Cousins didn't know anyone in the organization. Right. But it sounds like Kevin Stefanski and Kirk Cousins have a much better chemistry than Kirk Cousins and John Filippo. Yes. Now, how absolutely. would you have known that that was going to be the case before you brought in Filippo? It's not fair to criticize the Vikings for that. But the relationship between the offensive coordinator and the most important player on the roster is more important than... Is he a mad genius with this yeah, other team, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, there's a certain baseline of: Are you creative? Do you know what plays to call? Can you can you lead a room, right? But chemistry with the quarterback is number one on that list. Just quickly, I will I will say this, and this is where I think that they are uh, susceptible to criticism for hiring Flip. Is that the one thing that you have to have a good idea of? Is does this person listen? Yeah, because the Shermer thing came down to what, as you've said a thousand times, Collar. He listened to everybody. Now yep. that doesn't mean he used all all their ideas, but it had to be eye opening when guys came to flip and were like, "Let's try this and that," and they came away with being told, "I got this." Yeah, yeah. I, I and you know what? I don't know if there's a way that anyone could have known exactly how it was going to play out because I went back and I looked at the things that I initially wrote from his conference calls and early press conferences from DeFilippo. And a lot of it was very much, we're going to have a lot of people involved here. It's a group effort. We're going to have lots of players involved and different personnel and everything else. But it just ultimately didn't happen. They tried to throw the ball to Thielen and Diggs every single play, basically. Yeah. And and I don't, I don't blame them for that because of their talent. But eventually teams were going to take these things away. And they didn't adjust. And I guarantee you, someone as smart as Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen knew ways to do it. And they weren't doing it. And so did Mike Zimmer. And as they went along, also the the little jabs you get are well, Stefanski's really using his coaching staff, you know, and and so you get the idea that uh, Filippo was trying to solve every problem by himself instead of leaning on all these other guys. And I was reading Bruce Arians' book. Um, the, Wait, say that again. Okay, all right. Uh, I was reading last night Bruce Arians' book. Football, football, football yeah, football, yeah, football, yeah, football. Yeah, 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 yeah
Because we've all read it. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I've read it's, it. I covered you, it cover. You gave it to me. Yeah, the book's better than the movie, too, for sure. I got yeah. mine signed. Yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, anyway, so he's talking about... Now, this is a guy who was a quarterback coach for Peyton Manning. He coached for Ben Roethlisberger and Carson Palmer and Andrew Luck. So, like, that's a pretty darn good group of quarterbacks that he's worked with, and that's what the book is about. It's like what yeah. he learned from working with the best of the best. And he would describe his process of working with Carson Palmer, where they would get together, and Palmer would pick out 15 plays he wanted to use in the upcoming game. And then Arians would pick out 15 plays he wanted to use. And they would look them over, and they would make their case for each other. But even if he himself said, we're using this play, and the quarterback said, I just I don't want to do it, the quarterback wins that argument every time. Right, because if the quarterback's not 100% mentally committed to a play, why would you yep. ever demand that he runs the play? Unless it's a quarterback sneak. Yep. In and which I case, run the quarterback run the sneak. sneak. Yeah. But, I, but I, think, the I think you saw plenty of times where Kirk Cousins wasn't entirely comfortable with what he was being asked to do. And uh, having Kevin Stefanski there and built that relationship with him, if there's one thing that's going to give this team a chance to go to Chicago and win finish out these last two games strong. That's what it is. And yes, that should have been the case all along. But after you hire DiFilippo, the first four weeks go pretty well for you offensively. So after putting up 31 on the Rams, you're not like, ah, guy's a fraud or something. You're like, you're going to think, okay, he's going to keep this up. But you know what didn't make sense there? The Thielen-Diggs thing was fantastic. And it worked for a month or so. If you're anybody involved, including us, you said to yourself, okay, that's going to get taken away here pretty soon. Yep. That's what's weird about it. Yep. Like, how did, when Delvin Cook came back, and Delvin Cook, okay, he's back now, now he's playing again, and he's off the pitch count. How did they, how did you not factor in, how did Flip not factor in, this Thielen Diggs thing's been really fun, but it's going to get you, taken away. You know away. what it is? It kind of reminds me a little bit of the Atlanta Falcons, outside of the one year where everything was clicking for them, they went to the Super Bowl and they had a three-touchdown lead. Just because you have Julio Jones and the Vikings here, just because you have these two weapons, doesn't mean that you should absolutely force feed every single game, every single quarter. Um, if if it's if it's not benefiting the greater good of the offense, then it doesn't matter if Julio Jones gets his fifteen hundred yards. Like, are you scoring points? Ticey in the in the Randy ratio. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know, I would say that we should always bring it back and mention that Stephon Diggs is wide open against Chicago and he's overthrown. Aldrick Robinson is wide open against Seattle, and he's overthrown. And throughout this whole thing, and this is what could be, you know, I guess a bump in the road here for Stefanski, is the possibility always exists that Kirk Cousins will just have a bad game and you'll lose. And it could be week 17, it could be week 16, it could be the playoffs. You just never really know when he's going to have a game like Buffalo or like Seattle. And you can play action him all the time, you can have quick screens and everything else, but he showed you the other day with the pick six. That's That's an empty set quick screen. That should be about the simplest thing that you can do as a quarterback. But... He stared down his wide receiver, and I was watching. You guys are just go ahead, get ready for the button move. Yeah, I was watching last night with Bruce Arians, Peyton Manning's detail where he does a football thirty-minute film session. I've wanted to watch this. Oh, the, I was the, so the, the Kobe one too. I've wanted to watch these. The, the Peyton Manning one's so good, and he breaks down in several different occasions on those quick screens. Quarterback staring down the wide receiver, yep. and he's like, "Look how close this one came to a pick. Look how, look how close this one came to a pick." So that is, you know, Cousins can blame it on whoever he wants, but he's always going to have 
that tendency to make that play. And there, there are five or six different situations in these games where if you're John Filippo, as much as you probably annoyed everyone from what it sounds like and had this crazy playbook with all these plays to prove how smart you were, all that stuff, right? But if your quarterback makes like four more plays, we're talking about this team right in playoff position, good to go, Filippo still genius, ready to be a head coach. That's what we're talking about if he makes just a couple of more plays. Yeah. Uh, six five one six four six eight two five five. I know Brian's been on hold, so we can we can mix in a couple phone calls here during the football hour. Matthew Collar hanging out. It's Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers. On fifteen hundred ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On fifteen hundred ESPN. Football. We were just comparing notes on uh, how football we are during the break. And Matthew Collar is so football. He watches uh, not only YouTube videos of old games, he watches Peyton Manning detailed. Here's how football I am. AAF community just followed me on Instagram. The number one AAF fan page, baby. That's the uh, football. Now what is the... What is the name of this league? What is it called? It's the... It's the Alliance of American Alliance Football. This is the Chili. Chili and okay. Mike Martz and all those guys. Yeah. Mike Riley, they're all coaching teams. Okay, I wasn't sure what it stood for, but I can beat all of your footballiness by saying I watched a little bit of their draft. The AAF draft. Wow. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, Explain yourself. When was it on? How it was on CBS Sports Network yep. yeah. like three weeks ago, and I believe Josh Johnson was drafted, the current quarterback for the Washington football squad. Who was the number one cor- the number one player drafted, you know? I don't remember. Well, but Philip they- Nelson, I thought, yeah. got picked was up he? by somebody, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he did. Yes, we talked about it. I, yeah. I honestly don't remember. the. Na- I mean, they were names that, like, some of them you had heard, guys who had been around and then were just, you know, out of the league or whatever else, and, and they were like picking the quarterbacks at the time I went through. So I think that that sets the standard beyond just reading Bruce Arians' book and watching Detail by Peyton Manning. I got a question for you. How how did, did you even come across CBS Sports? Because that's the one, as much sports as, as I watch, I fly by that channel so it's fast. 76, right? Yeah. So I think the Rome's it, on, and that's about all I've ever seen on there. The way it works for me yeah. uh, is that I use my PlayStation to watch TV through. Okay. Right? So I'm one of those people. Yep. And I'm flipping through, flipping through. So you have to like flip through sort of pages of like channels. And it's a little bit of a pain, but it's fine. So I'm just going through, and then I see draft and I like, like football draft. I'm like, oh, I, I like football and drafts. <laughs> So let me see what this is. <laughs> football. And that is exactly the story of how I stumbled on. How football are you? Christian Hackenberg was taken. Oh, yeah, that's in right. In the yeah. AAF draft. Oh, okay, there's got to be some. Who's the who's the veteran quarterback? Who's the, I'm not talking Jeff George level old, but who's the, if Tony Romo wasn't making millions of dollars with Jim Nance, you know, who's that guy that's been retired for a little while Kurt or out of the Warner, league? man. Kurt Warner. Oh, my He'd God. That'd be so much fun. It'd be so much fun. Is there a chance Tavares comes back? Uh, sure. Yeah. Tavares could play in this league. Like, Gus Farratt could play Chile in that league. Chile would want him. Chile, yeah, Chile would be like, like, just okay. to prove oh, yeah. the point, <laughs> damn it. Big so, arm. No, this guy is a franchise quarterback uh, in the minors, but he's a franchise there, quarterback. Definitely a few names that you would know on here. I'm looking at the draft results, but Josh Johnson was the number one pick, and he's okay. playing in the NFL, so I don't know if he'll play there. Remember Aaron Murray? From Georgia, yeah, yeah. Well, he he was definitely um, his, an NFL his, prospect at well, one point. His brother well, Josh Murray was a big star on The Bachelorette, actually. Well, wait a minute. 
Michael Vick is going to be Brad Childress's offensive coordinator Correct. for Alliance Atlanta, oh whatever the team name is. He should play. So, he should so do both. What what happens if Michael Vick just says, you know what, Chili, this ain't working. Just suit me up. You he know? should. He walks in, he pulls the Roger door, and he just says, you know, as of uh, 9 o'clock this morning, I've activated I myself. could completely yeah. see oh, that. Yeah. Completely. What's the purpose of Michael Vick doing this, though? Does he want to be a coach in the NFL at some point? That's just possibly, fulfillment? Yeah, I don't know. Um, just be a paycheck. Maybe, yeah, just something to do. Like, yeah. there are a lot of NFL people who are into this because they look at it as finally a developmental league as opposed to, like, we're going to make money with the UFL. Like, no, you're not. Um, Matt Sims is going to play for the Atlanta Legends. I once saw Matt Sims in a preseason game, like that fourth preseason game, literally throw a ball backwards 20 yards. Like, he was rolling to his right. Cousins tried, okay? And he, and he went, right, he did. And Sims went to throw it, and someone grabbed sort of his shoulder pad and turned him around, and he heaved it anyway, and it went backwards. So, Aaron Brooks, 20 yards. the Aaron Brooks play. Yes. Yeah. Uh, six five one six four six eight two five. Collar scrolling through this oh, draft now. Peter, Here we go. Peter Pools. Guys, remember Peter Pools? Yes. He was in camp with the Vikings Who? this year. He was their fourth oh, quarterback. Okay. Peter Pools. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Come on. Um, I, I feel like we should make too much every, every caller should have to answer how football are Ooh, you, Zach bro? Mettenberg, how football are you, Brian? Brian. Hey, Brian. How football are you? Uh, hey, uh, thanks, guys, for taking my call. Uh, Let's see. I'm I'm so football. I I'm so football. I waste many hours playing Madden NFL football. football. <laughs> it's like match game. I'm so football. I blank the football. <laughs> I like that. That's, we we put you on the spot. That. That, was a, that was a good. It was a good go. We can build off that. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to make a quick comment uh, to follow up on uh, what your guest had to say. I think you really hit it on the head. You know, I'm a little worried about the. Uh, Stefanski uh, promotion uh, simply because when you look at the NFL, there's a consistency is pretty important, you know, and um, over the, over the course of the last few seasons, we've been moving from coordinator to coordinator and now we've got a new quarterback and we have very little consistency at that coordinator spot and at the quarterback spot. And just in general, you don't see a lot of teams succeeding with that. Um, And to my other question for you guys is really just, uh, I think we've heard a lot about Cousins, um, like, being misused and, and dropping back and reading the defense, and that's not really his strong suit, and he's actually more of a quarterback that needs a run game and that needs to make one or two reads and get rid of the ball. And I just want to know if um, if the Vikings have done any uh, re- reanalysis of uh, Cousins' strengths and how they plan to move forward, or if you guys have heard anything. Brian, the, uh, comments off the air. thanks for the call. On, on that first question, so, yeah, I mean, like, teams that rotate coordinators constantly probably aren't successful, but teams that have the wrong coordinator or the wrong coach in place also aren't successful. But I think it's a, a really relevant concern, though, because when you have a head coach who is so focused on defense, there is no room for error with who you name your offensive coordinator, and it nearly derailed the season, and honestly, it should have. I mean, if the NFC doesn't become a flaming bus, like, then they're out of the playoffs and would totally deserve to because they hired the wrong offensive coordinator. And that's the risk you take. Andy Reid is there in the playoffs every year, and he's got the same offense every year that works for him because he's an offensive genius and has been for a really long time, going back to when he worked for Mike Holmgren. And he could control that. But that's what wins from year to year normally is is offense. And when you make big changes 
from year to year, that's tough on all of your players, and it makes it much less predictable how good you're going to be. So I think that that's a really relevant concern. And I also think that to the point about protecting some of Cousins' weaknesses, that is why Kevin Stefanski is your offensive coordinator. When he was under center last week, he was 8 for 9 with a touchdown under center and 5 for 6 on play action. He was somewhere in the like 25th range of percent of play action. And this is a guy who's one of the best at it in the whole league. No. And yet he wasn't being used on play action anywhere enough. So I think that all those things that you saw last week, those do carry over to maximizing his yeah. strengths. Uh, you can find uh, Matthew Collar's written and podcast work on 1500ESPN.com. And uh, yeah, you can find you can find uh, all kinds of other stuff too. Vikings Ventline from, uh, from last week. And this weekend, Vikings Ventline right when the game is over on Sunday. So let's wrap with Royce when we come back to the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Highway 100 northbound in, it's not St. Louis Park, Judd, so don't worry. It's in uh, Golden Valley uh, between Highway 55 and uh, Duluth Street. We got a crash there causing about a four-minute delay. So that's one, Judd, that uh, you won't have to worry about on Highway 100. That's about time. We uh, wrap with Royce every day. Pat, we've we've got some audio to play for you, a little 30-second uh, clip all right. here, all right? I think you'll recognize who it is. I, uh, I heard it earlier today, but play it anyway. Okay. So. John Emery, another, another <laughs> great young man from Destrehan, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! That means shut up. Great young man. On a skirmish, we wanted to get bigger. I'll stop. Hey! <laughs> stop the ball! Stop the drill. <laughs> Have the press conference. Thank you. Yeah. I, think, uh, I think Ed was 4 and 40 at, or maybe 4 and 42 at uh, Mississippi State, something like that. Yeah. At Ole Miss. I think he was like at 10 and 25, but his SEC record was really bad. He won like yeah. three SEC games or something yeah. like that. Oh, it was horrible. It was Jim Wacker like. But uh, he can recruit. But that, you know, when you heard hear that at first, it almost sounds like a satire, doesn't it? A put yes. down of some, you know, kind of a, one of those gimmick things when they're giving phony names of recruits or uh, players or something. It's uh, it's uh, he's, he's gone down about three octaves, I think, in the last <laughs> three years too. He can barely, you know, he he makes me sound like a uh, tenor, you know. Oh yeah, you're high pitched compared to him. Yeah. Unbelievable. The, the great thing is the assistant coach in the background saying, that means shut up. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite guy. <laughs> That's true. That is true anyway. Boy, that was a, that was a bad Wolfie's loss last night. I, I think the countdown has started here for uh, my guy Tibbs, but I don't know who they would hire. There's nobody on, you know, nobody on his staff does anything. He doesn't really, uh, you know, give anybody any duties. So I, I don't know what they would do. Uh, you know, people say Ryan Saunders. Well, he's not a, he's not a, you know, he could start coaching at a junior college and work his way up. But uh, if they go mid-season, Pat, it'd probably be Andy Greer, right? The defensive yeah, guy. Yeah, I guess what he'd happen. probably be the yeah. one that would take he's over. He's the only guy that Tibbs actually lets Stephen talk. Yeah, <laughs> and he gets up and tells him how many timeouts he's got left and stuff like that. So yeah. 
But yeah. I, I would fear greatly that uh, Taylor might bring in Freddie Oiberg because he likes him, and Freddie has proven that he can't coach in the NBA. So what is uh, so so? Glenn's gone down the path of uh, a David Stern recommendation for uh, for a big hire a few years ago, and then he went. Didn't he go search firm to find? Tom Thibodeau. I don't know if you needed a search no, firm no, to find no, Tom Thibodeau. They, no, they didn't do that. They they went right after him because he was the number one guy available. You know, but I mean, he was he was the hot ticket. Uh, a couple, you know, who everybody thought Dan Tony was the idiot, right? They, you know, you could add him or Scotty Brooks, I guess, who's done no better in Washington. So, but but what what you know is he gonna? I wonder what his. If if you're right, and uh, I think we all yeah, feel like Tom Thibodeau is on borrowed time, what is Glenn's process here? Well, there's nobody to call on. He'd have to, I don't know, I hope he doesn't call up the NBA office again. The last <laughs> thing they gave him was Kurt Khan. So, uh, yeah, Adam Silver might have a better recommendation, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know what he would do. Maybe just ride out this year. I think he's keeping Tibbs, Pat, until until the springtime and then firing yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, he won't be back. Uh, they're they're going to win. 38 games, you know, and not make the playoffs, obviously, and not come close and have some of their worst attendance again in years. One thing being they goosed up the prices after having a decent year, but they just they just aren't very good. They can't. They don't have shooters, you know. That's their that's their biggest problem. And then once in a while, they still decide not to play defense again. So, hey Pat, all yes. all I know is that you and Sid. Defend goal for football to the death. That's you right. guys try to get people to back off of Fleck. Let's just back off and uh, support the program. Come on. Why don't we have more people like you guys? I don't know. We should. Uh, we should. Us veterans who've been around. We, we're the only two guys left from the glory years. You know. We know that it can happen here. We, we've seen it. <laughs> it's true. It was only 60. <laughs> you know why? 50, how many years? 58, 59 years ago. We saw it. We can do it. Yeah, I yeah. I feel like old PJ. PJ came in and his first press conference was about how we're all in this together. And he met mm-hmm. we meeting media too. It feels like he's a little perplexed that people ask him tough questions. Well, this. I mean, it, it's it's the cliche because everybody said it for a day, but you know. Tell everybody to come over after practice last week, uh, hand out a press release, and uh, take eight minutes. And then when somebody, then when you're having your glorious day of announcing your recruits, you can, uh, and somebody asks you the question, you say, hey, we took care of that already. But, uh, uh, you know, you, you cannot, what you cannot do is say, we'll talk about it next week, and then. Uh, get everybody upset when you start getting asked questions about it. And, uh, you know, the, the the biggest problem was, well, it wasn't six to eight. He, he basically opened himself up saying, it wasn't six or eight. Okay, how many was it? <laughs> yeah. You know, by, by saying that, that's that started the whole thing. And uh, it's, uh, I, I don't know. It's But you certainly uh, could name, you certainly could say these, I don't know, take your pick, four kids. I mean, you're not going to tell the... The media, why these kids aren't going to play, but no, you can certainly tell us but, because but, now, now you got problems if kids fans, don't play. You know, go for football fans are the biggest nut jobs in town. There aren't many of them. You could put them in, uh, you know, you could. They were all my Twitter timeline you, last you, night. You, we were having a nice conversation. You could put them in uh, Mesa Pizza, the star, you know, and fill it, and that that'd be about it. But uh, <laughs> they uh, they get uh, extremely upset. That is for sure. But. Uh, you know, let you're asking him the question because he won't answer it. 
You know, that's that's why you ask him again to irritate him. If nothing else, maybe he'll blurt out an answer. Yeah, I, th- I think from because I, 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 I don't like this whole notion that reporters aren't supposed to ask questions. Like if that's the side of the fence that you're on, then you, you maybe reevaluate your stance. But if we know that it's not criminal and there's, you know, it's not sexual and it's none yeah. of that stuff and it's just him saying I don't like the way that players are conducting themselves at practice or something. Well it could be drug tests that were failed too. Okay. Yeah. There's a very good chance they were drug tests that were failed. But this is this is not because somebody was late for class like the gopher idiots would have you believe, right? I mean it's it's not a nothing thing. You know, it's it's there's something happened we know that when they got back from Wisconsin, there were drug tests taken, okay? And suddenly players were not practicing. But, you know, whether, obviously nobody can confirm that. But this is not some kind of being late for practice or stuff like that. Something uh, significant happened here, and it wasn't, you know, if, if somebody flunked a drug test, the first thing that you doesn't do is call up the police to tell them that they got a young man using marijuana or something, right? Uh, obviously. So the fact that it's crim- not criminal means that the police weren't called, right? Isn't that what it means? So, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, and no, no accusation was made to the police like with the woman two years ago uh, in uh, with a, a much bigger scandal obviously than this but uh, the, the idea that it was breaking some rule of TJ's by not sit, PJ's by not sitting in the right row in class or wearing a hat it's not you know it's it's significantly more than that yeah yeah and he and I, and I guess I would ask him what's okay if you just come out and say as much as you can about what happened what's What's the worst? And maybe he thinks, well, people are going to overreact and put it in a long line of gopher scandals. Uh, uh, I think and... they also were paranoid because it was the recruiting window, don't you? Yeah. I think that's yeah. probably why they didn't want to talk about it last week because they thought some one of their many three stars might back off on them. Which is, which is why I think you're right, though, which is get it out of the way and do it aside from this whole thing. That's the easy yeah, but I don't think this is a national story. This is a local story, right? I don't. Think yeah, no. Thing, I don't think this thing's getting any legs nationally. But you know, maybe the audience, uh, those uh, fourteen thousand people in the United States of America who are watching the bowl game, well, I haven't the, mentioned it to them. The Quick Lane Bowls has been adversely affected, and that really, really makes me <laughs> upset, Pat. Pat, how many players did they did they sign the other day? Three or four? Was it three? Who? Who? The Gophers for early signing day. Was it three? That's 15 stars right there. Okay. That's 15 stars, three players, or five players. Those three stars add up to a lot of stars if you put oh, them all yeah. together. Well, they, no, they signed uh, 23, didn't they? 22? Yeah. Yesterday. Was it 22? Yeah, it was a big yeah, yeah, that's what the big recruiting is. On early signing day? Yeah, they have 75% sign on early signing yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. Normal signing days out now. We don't care about yeah, that anymore. Yeah, We're early signing days. Yeah, I thought it was like a handful or something. Shows oh, how much I pay attention to signing boy, day. Boy, the Gopher fans will be mad at you. Yeah, you're going to get. You're gonna right. know, and you're commenting. You I know. know. You're going to get harassed on Twitter now. Good uh, luck with that, Pat. Yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. Luck with them. Boy, oh boy. You're, All right, uh, bye. You're in trouble. Bye, see Pat. Yeah. <laughs> I thought. I thought. Oh, early signing day, like a few players. We know. Didn't you look at your Star Tribune? The whole list. No, I missed it. Well, it's very exciting. Go for signing day. All right, see you guys tomorrow. Rah, Write rah. that down tomorrow. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 2. I could see beyond the Black Hills and the way they called for exploration. I could feel the air, the way it paints against skin. 
and Phil's hungry lungs. I could hear the way the water ran for miles and the way the bison grazed, the way our boots meet the earth as we step past expected. I could imagine my time in South Dakota, and I wish to go back because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.